This week's Talking Simpsons is brought to you by Verve. Do you like streaming classic cartoons like Doug? Anime like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Dragon Ball Super? Original cartoons like Bee and Puppycat? Even classics like Freakazoid that you won't find anywhere else? Those are all being carried by Verve. And you can get a 30-day free trial of service on Talking Simpsons if you just head to vrv.co slash WAC. Check it out. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, where everything looks bad if you remember it. I'm your host, Lazy Dog Dangler, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Henry Gilbert, and I hope I didn't brain my damage. <laughs> who else is here? Uh, Zach Ryan, and I'm as drunk as a poet on payday. <laughs> and today's episode is El Viaje Misterioso de Nuestro Homer. Oh, well done. Thank you. Why am I here? You are on a quest for knowledge. <laughs> and the translation of that, by the way, is The Mysterious Voyage of Our Homer, which aired on January 5th, 1997. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my God! Happy 1997, Bobby! Oh boy. <laughs> the post office raises the price of stamps to 32 cents. That's how they get you. Matt Lauer replaces Bryant's Gumble on the Today Show. And that was a mistake. <laughs> yes, yeah. And the Ooh. Spice Girls Wannabe debuts in the U.S. after being a huge hit in the U.K. the previous year. So Matt Lauer has a real Mr. Burns connection in that he has the evil button on his desk, right? <laughs> he does. Yes, yes, he had the lock the door button uh, yeah. for emergencies, of course. Well, and yeah. I had forgotten about that. That yeah. was the, the craziest thing. And if you think about it, if you take it apart, someone had to put in an order for that. A maintenance man had to install it. There are so many mm-hmm. steps along the way that everyone would Somebody know about it. could have raised a red flag. Yeah. Like, hey, why are we doing all this? Why do you yeah. need the sex button? Well, hey, maybe he said, like, if a source tries to run away, <laughs> I can stop them from doing that. When I'm interviewing them, because I'm sure Matt Lauer did a ton of journalism as yeah. the host of the It's what he was mostly known for. Uh, there was, there's now I look back on, like, dozens of jokes on 30 Rock that were about Brian Williams being gross and like wanting a a glass toilet, for example. (laughs) And I feel like all of those sex pervert jokes that they gave to Brian Williams were really Matt Lauer jokes. Thinly veiled Matt Lauer. I think so. They were winking and also throwing up at the same time. I I feel really bad that Brian Gumbel at the time now, back then he was made fun of like, oh, what a nerd. Matt Lauer's going to be so much cooler. And now now we all miss Brian The Gumbels got out clean. And uh, I don't know what the the price of stamps are today because whenever I buy them, they just say forever on them. I think they're 50 cents. Are they 50 cents? uh, I want to say they're upwards of $3 these days, mm. but that might just be here in San Francisco. How much does so. a banana cost? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Spice Girls Wannabe, what a fun song. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was out, it was like a hit in the UK for so much longer than it was, I mean, before it came over it, here. Yeah. Uh, it was released in the UK in July of 96, okay. so then this was January, so I could see, you know, 
things really came over a lot slower back then. It's things can be international hits now, like immediately, mm-hmm. like or within a month, you'll hear something as big as the Spice Girls were in the UK would immediately be heard about here. You know, right? You did not need a British style invasion for the Spice Girls. That song was uh, banned from my elementary school because our uh, principal couldn't figure out what a zigga zigga meant. Whoa. So yeah, That's... she said no one can sing it on campus. <laughs> that could be a racial slur. Might, be- might be or a sex act. Best to be safe and just uh, outlaw. Just song. blanket, yeah, cancel it across <laughs> the board. So before we get into the show, right. our special guest is Zach Ryan of IGN. I That's think true. I gave it all away, but Zach, where do you come from? What do you do? <laughs> and uh, what's your history with The Simpsons? Well, uh, I come from IGN. Uh, right. I'm that's where you of, were born. That's right, yeah. Uh, I'm that's how they of, make journalists. I'm manager of video programming over there, uh, so I do a lot of live show programming and, and video stuff there. But I've been a Simpsons fan for forever and ever. This particular episode was about when I was most into The Simpsons. I feel like mm. seasons like six, seven, eight, nine were really my bread and butter years. Mm, okay. uh, and then, you know, uh, I, I through syndication and stuff, I caught all the previous episodes and, and got really familiar with those. But I feel like these four seasons were the ones where I was like the most into The Simpsons. Okay. So. And I learned your age before the recording uh, somehow. Mm. And uh, I know you don't predate The Simpsons or you do That's, predate The Simpsons. So yeah, I'm 33. When did you start watching? I'm just curious. Like, when were you first aware of it? Well, I remember watching here and there when I was really young, um, probably like early, early, you know, second season, somewhere around there. Um, but it was one of those things where I'm like, my parents didn't want me to watch The Simpsons. Okay. But then my dad would watch it with me and laugh at the jokes, but then say something like, we really shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> this is um, bad for you. And it was one of those things where like, by the time I hit uh, probably fifth grade, The Simpsons was in syndication and they would run two or three episodes or uh, two to four episodes a day. And so I could watch them, you know, all the time. And it was one of those things where I caught up sort of after the fact. And then once I realized that the show was still on every Sunday night, I started watching every week. I've noticed with a number of our previous guests, like the release in syndication was this second Simpsons boom. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the first and second season, there was Bart Mania, but then it kind of died down. And then once it's uh, in, I guess, 94, when it hit syndication, like uh, tons more Simpsons, a whole nother generation of Simpsons fans got into it. When I was in probably fifth or sixth grade when The Simpsons was was in really heavy rotation in Sa- I'm from the Sacramento area and uh, they would do blocks of an hour early on in the afternoon and mm-hmm. then an hour like later in the in the evening and so you could catch four episodes and at the time you know channels like that local channels would buy lots of, of syndicated episodes so you would see a bunch of episodes from the same seasons over uh, and over and over uh. again so it became this thing where like I have this group of friends that, that we've seen episodes from season two two through, you know, probably 10 so many times that we can almost talk in Simpsons quotes to each other. Like it's just, oh, yeah. it's <laughs> always been, I, I credit it as, as probably the defining factor in my sense of humor. If you were of that very specific generation and you were aware of television and watching it in that era, like a large portion of your brain is devoted to Simpsons. And yeah. I don't think that will ever happen again. Like we are all just from that, like, pr- like it was still monoculture. We mm-hmm. were not all online and wasting our time there. We were just watching <laughs> TV and the Simpsons was on forever. I just felt like it was always on yeah it really you know? was yeah it, anytime I, I in the afternoon after school I could turn it on uh, turn on the TV and find an episode of The Simpsons somewhere and so was Saved by the Bell but I have yes. really no memories of that same but okay. I guess because it was not memorable in any way I'm really glad that you said yeah. that because I feel
feel like when I talk about Saved by the Bell in that way, mm. people are always like, what do you mean you didn't watch it? It's like, it just what didn't appeal to me. Mm. I watched every single episode of Saved by the Bell five times oh, at least. Me too. But <laughs> most of it is gone from my brain, and except if I see the first scene of an episode, I'm like, oh, and then Zach meets a girl in a wheelchair, and then he starts dating her, and then he overdoes it by trying to take care of her handicap too much, and then they break up. Like, that, <laughs> it, it all clicks then. Yeah. But. All our listeners should check out Go Bayside. It's great. It's yes. a, it's what we do, but for Say by the Bell. And there's oh, only really there's cool. only 80 episodes of that show to go around, I think. She so. had to stop. Then yeah. She did them all. And the and one of the movies. I think she still has to do the second movie. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, Hawaiian style. Wedding Hawaiian style. <laughs> like you said, The Simpsons really informed your sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. Are you super into The Simpsons meme, the memification of The Simpsons these days? I, I'm not I'm not really into memes in general. Uh, mm. um, but I do, I do get a good chuckle out of when the meme was making the rounds, the doctored gifts of Bart hitting Homer with the chair. <laughs> yes, you know, those it are all be replaced so by good. yeah different items and like you know I thought that was really funny. I think some of the steamed ham things are really clever, but I thought steamed hams would never die. But today I was reflecting. I was like, it it is dead. It's dead yeah. now. Yeah. As of this recording, it's I, been dead for a few weeks. I will say, or a month. I, I am known to send the the gif of Homer like backing through the bushes mm, a lot still in an works, email thread. Yeah, it has so many uses. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just a gif you can pull up on Twitter now. There's yeah. so many of those that are just like, oh, Twitter has this for me. The uh, the Smash Brothers smash sound on <laughs> the Homer in the bathtub scene. I Game! Think that's pretty good, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode, the idea came from George Meyer based on the writing of Carlos Castaneda, a writer who kind of focused on magical realism, and that's mm. what this episode of the second act is really, really involved in. And uh, Ken Keeler, a Futurama fan and uh, now a uh, disenchantment writer, he uh, is the writer for this episode. But George Meyer tried to do this episode for years, mm. and only under the watch of Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein did it happen. Mm. Everyone just thought it was too weird. Well, according to the commentary, he pitched it like in season three, and we've interviewed other Simpsons writers. They talk about what a daunting pitching room that is of pitching your episode and if it doesn't fly with James L. Brooks it kind of doesn't happen and so this was just one of those lost episodes for a long time. That story really struck me listening to the the commentary which first of all I think the commentary on this episode sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I think okay. it's really bad. I totally agree with you. I also feel bad because Josh Weinstein has his child there who yeah. is now like 20 mm. and I'm like <laughs> Oh, if only this kid wasn't there. But I also feel bad saying that because he's got to take care of his kid. But also yeah. the kid is asking questions and they're just laughing at the kid. And, and I, just, I just want more it, trivia. It derails their conversation. It really does, yeah. But, but I, I did think that that was a really interesting story because I could see this, the idea that this pitch about Homer going on a psychedelic journey would not fly in season three. But yeah. it totally works in season eight. Yeah, and they re- they committed to it, not just in terms of the writing, but the animation as well. So mm-hmm. Jim Reardon is like an all-star director. Uh, his Homer is the plumpest Homer. He's got the biggest mm-hmm. eyes and some of the best acting. But David Silverman is has the most experimental stuff right. in the show. And David Silverman basically did all of the dream world hallucinatory stuff in this episode. And if you see his art online, you can tell when they go way off model in this episode, that is David Silverman as hell. Mm-hmm. Well, he made all the rules, so he gets to break them it's true yeah i after watching this i wished we had seen this episode before we interviewed david silverman because i kind of just wanted to ask him all about this i forgot how good it was and i I know that we'll get there but i I love the way that homer transforms and morphs in and out of himself and Mm -hmm. like you know, uh, c- kind of combusts and comes back together throughout the course of the second act. I think it's really, really brilliant animation. And he said he uh, on the commentary, Silverman says he didn't even leave much of it to Korea. Like he personally, yeah. he over animated it in more himself than they would normally on a television production. Which 
which I think that is why this is still this is the last produced in production season seven, oh, okay. but wasn't aired until halfway through season air eight, yeah. season eight. Which interesting. I would bet like there's so much animation quality in this, or just like technique that I would think it probably production wise took a little longer than usual. Mm. If you don't know about David Silverman as well, he is a regular attendee of Burning Man. <laughs> so I think all the hallucinogenics in here, I don't want to say he's done hallucinogenic drugs, but it, it feels uh, authentic in that way as well. I've seen him wear a crazy hat on Twitter, <laughs> crazy top hat. Yeah, follow him on Twitter as a tuba tubatron. That's and you'll see a lot of his crazy drawings. That's usually a dead giveaway to you know somebody that like loves to experiment with psychedelic drugs as well. Yeah. They wear a crazy hat on Twitter, mm-hmm. or so. or they have their own Burning Man camp. There's that. <laughs> There's too. that yeah. too. That could be a small, maybe a smaller sign. It was cool that they got George Meyer on this commentary too, and he was present for the writing of it or like in the writer's room but he at that point george meyer basically never writes episodes i think he's got three credited episodes to his name for the entire decades he's yeah. written on the show i think it's like bart versus thanksgiving one other one and then and brother's the- little helper from season 10 or 11 oh it was bart's inner child oh he wrote that, that was him too. yeah, yeah. And that's kind of it but so this is also i would say david silverman is the best director in simpsons history and then right below him is Jim Reardon. So them working together on this episode, it's one of the best looking ones ever. There's several, even before they go on the hallucination, there's a few scenes that really break the rules of the Simpsons, but in great ways. Yeah. There's, there's some really great stuff in the, in the first act, especially. And I think that this episode, like it's really important for me because this was an episode I remember very clearly watching with with my dad when I was a kid mm. and him saying things that that stuck with me. Like, mm. I remember him describing, you know, Homer in the second act as like, oh, it's like he's on an acid trip. And <laughs> that put some ideas into my head as a child that I was like, oh, that's what that's like? Like, maybe that would be something that I'd be interested in experimenting <laughs> or like look, looking at later. But then it also introduced me to Johnny Cash, who's like, to this day, one of my favorite uh, oh, artist. he's he's uh, a hero of mine yeah. too. He's he's a fellow Arkansan as oh, well, Johnny okay. Cash. So that's why I love about him. I don't know. When I heard people talk about acid as a kid, I assumed it was the acid you would see in like uh, <laughs> the acid superhero from, like, yeah, shows exactly. or whatever. <laughs> like they'd be about to dump acid on somebody. Like yeah. uh, it's a good thing. No, you know uh, this is a. Uh, I, I'm coming at this as uh, as ignorant in both cases. I've never read Carlos Castaneda or done hallucinogenics. I like one pot edible is enough for me to be like I <laughs> need to lay down and stop. Thinking. I've never done one of those things. So. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I don't anymore. But uh, really, trip out on Carlos Castaneda. Right? I, I've, <laughs> I've put so many of those books on my tongue and uh, <laughs> taken a wild ride. But this is a really lame thing to say, I think. But everyone should just, uh, just do it once mm-hmm. and then figure yourself out, man. Figure uh, yourself out. There's an episode of The Simpsons later in the series uh, where Homer gets a medical marijuana card. That's right. And yeah. I remember watching that episode and thinking, like, because at that by by that age. I knew what marijuana was. I knew, like, I knew people in high school that did it. And so when I was watching that episode, I was like, that's what that's like. I want to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. And imagine my disappointment when I smoked weed for the first time and it was nothing like that. I, I never get the jokes where characters smoke weed and then wildly hallucinate. They're yeah. in every movie yeah. and TV show. I think the writers just want them to do harder drugs, but they're not allowed. That's so yeah. very well could yeah. be. And that's also how they get away with it in this episode. That they, they originally yeah. pitched just like, well, Homer needs to trip for some reason. Like, well, it has to be 
something that a child can't imitate and that isn't illegal. So, <laughs> so the insane asylum peppers. Yeah, it's a fictional pepper, so no one can actually hurt themselves with it. Yes, yeah. Which uh, I'll get to later, but him eating those hot peppers, like they're coming out the other end, and not in a good way. Even like, Krusty points that out. His ears, if we're lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess let's get right into the episode with some kicking back. Mm-hmm. to put all this crud in my newspaper world the arts religion Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh here it is kicking back hey who cut something out of my paper not me not me i'm more of a mail tamperer (laughs) well don't look at me just because i'm holding a pair of scissors scissors which i need (laughs) to uh to gussy up these curtains Yellow. Oh, hi, Lenny. <gasps> no, why would I need a ride this afternoon? <laughs> Where? <laughs> to the big annual one? <laughs> Lenny. Oh, well, if it was big and annual, I'm sure they'd have mentioned it in the newspaper. But I think Marge should have just got Homer out of the house into a different location. She has to try way too hard. He's stupid, mm-hmm. but he eventually gets it. Yeah, though, I guess... Well, it's set up later that if he were to go outside, he would smell it. So they oh, can't, yeah, you're right. They okay. can't leave the they house. can't take him outside. That is very he, smart. His, his palate is so refined that he <laughs> even detects, uh, detects uh, cumin in the That's air. That's true. Yeah. So uh, I, I think outside is probably a, a no-go on this one. I, I uh-huh. love... The, the first person perspective through the newspaper yeah. the clip uh, the, you know Marge has clipped that out of the newspaper so Homer can't read it and it shows the camera moves with this uh, newspaper frame around each of the characters yeah. and it's so funny the staging is great I have to wonder yeah. if that was in the script or if the director thought of that either way it's a great yeah, setup for this, a scene the scene would have worked the same if Homer put down the paper and then looked accusatory people but instead the scene implies like this is the first time it really hit me that Homer is changing his perspective <laughs> and looking at different places Instead of putting it down. And also that Lenny Lenny is being so nice to call him. And that uh, just Homer hearing that it's the big annual what, it doesn't click for him. He's like, man, whatever it was. And then mentions the newspaper that was tampered with. (laughs) This episode is really great because it has a lot of, not necessarily hidden stuff, but a lot of just like signage and things that are really funny. And one of the things that uh, that I wrote down was um, kicking back the subtext or the strap line of that that piece is um, 50 ways to waste your weekend, which I thought was really brilliant. That's great. And that, you know, people complain about clickbait now, but that's a clickbait headline. Oh, absolutely. Newspapers. Another subtle joke is no one says it out loud, but after Marge cuts the curtains, then the next shot is her sewing Sewing them back back together. together. Yeah. So uh, conspicuous. All of these things that are happening around Homer, he doesn't Uh, get it. But uh, I think Marge overplays her hand with the cigarettes here. Now, homie, wait. What's wrong with you? What are you trying to hide from me? (laughs) What's that smell? Onions, chili powder, cumin, mm-hmm. juicy ground chuck, it's chili! Oh my god, I'm missing the chili cook-off! I'm missing the cook-off! It's going on right now, and I'm missing All right. it! I was trying to keep it from you, but I had a good reason. Every time you go to that cook-off, you get drunk as a poet on payday. Mm-hmm. Remember last year? Look at me! <laughs> I'm a puffy pink cloud! <laughs> Oh, well, of course, everything looks bad if you remember it. (laughs) Now, where are my chili boots? Ah. Okay, we'll go to the chili cook-off. 
but I want you to promise me you won't have any beer. Okay, quit nagging me. I won't have any beer. Jeez, why don't you have a cigarette or something? Hmm, I suppose I could. Some great boot foley. You hear yeah. those boots squeaking, squeaking all throughout the scene. On, yeah. yeah, clearly they can't move too well because he only puts them on once a year. And so they are chilly boots. Yes, and I also love Marge's innocence of like, I suppose I could smoke a cigarette. It reminds me of the episode uh, uh, when Homer takes a job with Hank Scorpio and she's drinking the glass of wine. She's like, Well, <laughs> I guess I'll drink this glass of wine. Like she just needs something to kill time. Vices are so new to her, but yeah. everything looks bad if you remember it. Is such a great line that. That I think is one of those secret best lines that no one really ever thinks of. Yeah. And it always enters my memory when I'm in an argument and you, you bring up something and that is so, sort of the response you get in return it, about it totally, the past. It totally struck me watching it now because I probably haven't seen this episode in, in more than five years. And it, it, it hit me just like you're saying, Bob, like it hit me in such a different way, mm. you know, now than it did when I was 20, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you've had adults who would say something of that nature to yeah, you without, without being so on the nose, but yeah. with the same intent. Yeah. But I, that's also like an anti-nostalgia comment of like, no, if you remember it, it looks bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I also really like Homer's little kid animation. Like, I'm missing it. Yeah. His and his hands like, shaking. Jogging up and down. Yeah. He does the same funny little dance. Two minutes later in this episode, yes. yeah, when they get to the chili yeah. cook-off. And I think it's so funny that they they use, like, they like, the animators liked that animation so much of him, like, dancing mm. around and shaking his wrist like that. They used it twice. I huh? love his anxiety all throughout yeah. the scene. <laughs> Homer's just a big kid. Like, that's what's so fun about him. And uh, that is a huge cotton candy machine that it can fit a nude a man. Grown man, yeah. A, yeah, a it grown didn't nude grind man. him up in any way. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too, yeah. It's if a car- you've ever yeah. looked inside a, a, a cotton candy maker, it would just shred you yeah yeah, yeah that's what that's i was thinking true. uh but hey apparently this is a newfangled <laughs> machine and i i love the particulars in that too when he falls down and the <laughs> the, the dogs. dogs are licking him he still like is putting beer to his mouth two bottles well. <laughs> yeah he's two, he's two fists in it <laughs> I, I do think it's odd that that a marge would ask him to not drink beer assuming that he wouldn't drink beer mm-hmm. yeah. and B that he agrees to it so readily. He's like, fine, I'll, I won't drink beer. Homer is a man that is motivated by the, his ability to drink beer. Yeah. So it seems so strange to me that he'd just say, yeah, okay, that's fine. I he's, won't drink beer at the chili cook-off. He's really showing a lot of self-control that I think any other future episode would just throw out, have him immediately drink a beer yeah. as soon yeah. as he gets there. One beer, please. I yeah. mean, that was, well, that was a major point in the movie too, that Homer's like, Marge tells him, why did you do the thing I specifically asked you not to do? And then he says, you know, me, I'm impulsive. I just don't think. And so in this case, though, Homer makes a promise and thinks about having made that promise and won't break it. I especially getting slightly ahead. But when Marge, for all she knows, Homer did a drink when he poured all that beer on his head. I think uh, it's good that Homer still doesn't drink, even though if I was in that situation, I might go like, she already thinks I'm drinking, then fuck it, I'm drinking. Yeah, yeah. can have all six of these beers. Yeah. <laughs> they really want you to feel for Homer and try kind of to make Marge the bad guy a bit in this a episode. A little bit, though it's more misunderstanding, yeah. I guess. And But she's right to be like, Homer's humiliated her probably 70 times at this point in the series, drunkenly. Yeah, more than that. I, th- I think Lenny was calling, though, because they wanted uh, he wanted them to visit his <laughs> tents 
a little a little bit a of Lenny. Little, yeah. yeah, a little bit of Lenny. His, his handy craftsmanship has not come back. Yeah, uh, so many characters are running their own chili booths and little craft stands, like Edna Krabappel and Nelson. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, Nelson. I wrote his down. His is months family chili, yeah. <laughs> and it says the subhead there is like it takes a week to make months, which I, I think is so funny. It's I don't so think cute. I would taste that chili. No, that no. seems like a problem. Yeah. But you get it? Do you get the I, pot? I get it, it. I get it. It takes weeks. People, make- listen. This is the first time I got it. Oh. It takes weeks to make months. months. Uh, so it's weeks within a month, but they're saying months. It's... I, I'm sorry. I, I just... It never hit me that that's what that thing meant. I don't think I even read the sign before this. Uh, <laughs> but don't bag on vegetarian chili. I think I want to eat some after this recording. It is so good. Mm-hmm. That, the only time I started eating chili was when I stopped eating meat. And it's like, oh, this is good. This is good now. <laughs> but it doesn't have greasy brown chuck. Uh, you can add some if you want. And then just make a regular chili, I guess. <laughs> I think it's good that... Uh, it's it's good for the plot that Lisa just walks away with Maggie. So then Marge... Marge can just be unhappy alone, not caring for the baby. Also, so we get to see like how small Marge's world is in the kitchen too here. Ooh, look at that adorable spice rack. Eight spices. Oh, some must be doubles. <laughs> or a gunnel. What the hell? <laughs> We're missing the chili. Less artsy, more fartsy. Homer, I happen to like handicrafts much more than stuffing my face. Fine, I'll come find you when I'm ready to stop having fun. <laughs> Remember your promise. No drinking. Howdy, howdy, Marge and Homer. Oh, my mistake. Homer's not even with you. Probably just knocking back a few refreshments. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your concern, Helen. Homer isn't drinking today. Oh, I think it's lovely that he said that and that you believed him. (laughs) Now, Helen, let us not glory in Homer's binge drinking there, but for the grace of God goes Marge herself. It's pretty rude. Yeah. Helen sucks. Like, Helen (laughs) Lovejoy is so awful. Like, growing up in a small town, growing up in a conservative town, I had friends whose mom was Helen Lovejoy, just really relished in digging into somebody. Mm -hmm. And that hurt to watch her talk to Marge that way. Well, Helen has such a small life that gossip is kind of all she has. So, as the minister's wife, she has access to all that gossip, as she said in... Margin Chains. Actually, this is kind of a sequel scene to Margin Chains because uh, when she said that Marge had a drinking problem, like drinky drinky motion, yeah. which she repeats here. And she debuted, I believe, in Life uh, Life on the Fast Lane. Yes. And she showed up during uh, the <gasps> date with Jacques and Marge. That's right. Wow. And she, she's, she's always yeah. there to like catch Marge at yeah. her worst. Yeah. Well, look at Marge here uh, having lunch with a man who's not her husband. <laughs> <laughs> How interesting. See you at church. So the band playing is uh, <laughs> Furl Dixon and the Second Helping Boys, I believe. Was it Mike Scully who told us that's his favorite joke or one of his favorite I jokes that he wrote? I believe it was Dan Graney. Dan Graney, took, okay. Yeah, I think it was Dan Graney who took credit for that one. That Someone was, was favorite, very proud of that. It is name. really yeah. good. Yeah. Furl Dixon boys. is such a ridiculous name. <laughs> yeah, Furl Dixon. I love that too. And this, you know, they don't get a ton of jokes out of it, but this has a really good country fair vibe. Like they did a good uh, interpretation of that on a. There's not a ton of jokes to it. It's just like, yeah, it's a fun little county fair with chili cook-offs. It's very well observed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also, I kind of like the interplay between the Lovejoys that 
they both love being passive aggressive to Marge, <laughs> but in different ways. That that the Timothy he gets to show off being like, "Oh, I'll save you from Helen because you're gonna drink you a bunch too, you old lush." Like he's <laughs> like, "Whoa, t- Timothy!" Jeez. Meanwhile, Homer has arrived at the chili cookoffs. Oh man, he's here! The dude with the fireproof stomach. Oh, he carved it himself from a bigger spoon. <laughs> Five alarm chili, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, one, two. <laughs> hey, what the big idea? Oh, I admit it. It's only two alarm. Two and a half tops. I just wanted to be a big man in front of the kids. Daddy, are you going to jail? <laughs> we'll see, son. We'll see. <laughs> now, we talked about communicating in Simpsons quotes earlier. Uh, yeah. I use that, Daddy, are you going to jail thing. Whenever I make a minor mistake, I will post that on Twitter. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I messed up posting this episode, or I messed, I got this fact wrong, or whatever, whatever something like that. I, see, I use the line about, in fact, this might be my line of the show, but the, they say he carved it from an even bigger spoon. Yeah. It's yeah. so, so funny to me on yeah. like so many uh, levels, because, A, like, why would you carve down a spoon and then carry it around in a little leather pouch? But also the fact that the spoon has so much power over the people at this yeah. chili cook-off. Lenny is speaking of it in such reverent tones. Yeah. He's very impressed by he this origin. It. Yeah, He doesn't even want to say it out loud. Don't uh, quit bagging on the spoon. I, You know what? I love both of those lines so much. Let's give that bit there the line yeah, of the episode. Yeah, let's do it. I'm down. That's the joke. I wonder how big a spoon it was at one point too, but the because he carries it around in like a, a little leather pouch, you know, yeah, just close to his chest, mm-hmm. which I guess is still with him on his uh, on his journey later in this episode too. So we keep we keep pointing out how Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein love season three of the show. They built their seasons on that model, and they love referencing it. Could this be like a secret tie to Wonderbat? You know, uh, yeah. Like that Homer carved himself. It's built in a similar way as yeah. Wonder Bat. That is true. You know, I want to correct myself. In Burns, Baby Burns, we said that was the first time Burns had a Yale joke, and there's a Yale joke in this too. But I was wrong. King-sized Homer, during the exercise, he is wearing a oh, Yale sweater. That's right. that's right. So that is the first Yale one. I'm sorry I got that wrong, folks. But, uh, but yeah. This... You, are, you are going to jail, Henry. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no, the, 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 that was perfect, Bob. <laughs> no, but uh, so the Yale joke here is that it is Yale's saltpeter chili, mm-hmm. which, uh, so saltpeter, the old wives' tale, is that it causes impotence. Okay. But uh, apparently that is not scientific true according to my research but so it's not good for keeping down the urges uh no it's it's just an old timey it's an old timey preservative that also burns would use for that reason hmm. but uh that it's proudly i mean this is just harvard guys joking about how yale yale men are impotent it seems <laughs> like that that's God. what they're saying they're impotent they have boorish manners <laughs> what else and uh, with the virtual chili i like that there's the first time i really noticed there's a mouthpiece on the chili yeah. too for that so you can truly virtually experience it and and then Homer actually is measuring the alarms of chili in his mouth. Like his palate is that 
good for it. I mean, between this and the cumin in the air, I feel like we we're <laughs> learning a lot about Homer's uh, refined palate. And a, I love yeah. I love that he he shames Flanders in front of his kids <laughs> yeah. in such a way that this is two and a half tops. Like, <laughs> he is. So good. I it's mean, humiliating all of them. <laughs> he really is. He is the Pope of Chili Town, as Wigan points out later. And I have to wonder before he showed up, were people asking about him? Was no one like uh, sent to summon him in any way? Because he should he, be like an hour or two late at this point. Yeah, he's like the officiator of this whole event. Well, he doesn't seem to have an official tie. Like, he's not a judge there. He's just a jerk who shows up and eats all the chili and insults it. He's a big, fat dynamo. <laughs> there is <laughs> there is a great shot right at the beginning of this sequence where it's Homer's shadow stretched out across the lawn in yeah. between all the chili. Uh, and the shot before that are his boots coming down. Yeah. It's really cool. I think it's really smart the way that they set up like his authority over this chili festival. Yeah. And he's looking down that row of uh, booths like you're looking down a, the like dirt road of an old west town mm-hmm. with all yeah. the saloons and buildings on the side it's really well put uh, set up there's just a ton of Sergio Leone touches to this uh, including the oh, good the bad the that's music. a really good call yeah. Yeah. yeah and but the zoom in on Homer's eyes a la Sergio Leone is one of my favorites too especially because technically it's off model oh, Homer's eyes are like kind of too far apart and his nose is in the wrong place but it's such a Jim Reardon drawing that it's perfect Simpsons will be right back. This right here is a five alarm podcast and we thank everybody who is supporting us. And it's not just about reviewing it on iTunes and sharing it with your friends or telling people on social media what a great podcast it is, though that really helps. Another way to help out the podcast is to go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. If you go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons for just $5 a month, you'll get every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad free. That means you could right now be listening to our Springfield Files episode, plus a week ahead of time and ad free, you can listen to our sister podcast, what a cartoon where we go through a different animated series in the talking simpson style we just did darkwing duck spider-man the animated series king of the hill and a ton of other shows that you can hear us talk about in the simpson manner and that five dollars a month will also get you access to all of our exclusives that we have on there that includes our talking critic miniseries where we went through every episode of the critic in the same talking simpson style and talking futurama where we did the same for the first season of futurama and on top of all of that that five dollars a month gets you access to our bonus content that we do whenever it comes up such as our regular interview features we just did one with mark kirkland he has directed more episodes of the simpsons than anybody else he is animation history personified he tells us about how he joined the show in season two he tells us how the show has changed in his 30 years working on it and how he got his start in animation at Hanna barbera back in the late 70s so you should check all of that out patreon.com slash talking simpsons just five dollars a month and at the ten dollar a month level you get access to our special videos that we do only for the ten dollar and up patrons check it all out
This episode also honks the honk and tonks the tonk thanks to our newest ad partner, Verve. Verve is a streaming service that puts together tons of different channels all under one umbrella. And you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of Verve at vrv.co slash W-A-C. If you go to verve.co slash WAC, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of the service, which is a $60 value only for $9.95. You'll get access to a ton of anime via Crunchyroll. You get access to original animations like on the Cartoon Hangover channel. And newest of all, they added Nick Splat to the service, which is a ton of the classic 90s Nick tunes and live action shows all at your fingertips as part of the service. So if you want to check it out for yourself, go to verve.co slash WAC, that is vrv.co slash WAC for a 30-day free trial. Uh, we do a quick cutaway to Marge. It's a. We, I am still trying to deconstruct what this scene is of Smithers asking Marge to dance because uh, I, it is. It is weird. I feel like they could they could have cut this scene and had more story, but it's mm-hmm. it's fun to see Smithers having fun. Yeah, but I, I think he might be getting into just the campiness of being here and like his rhinestone and I, I'm sure like sequined out uh, mm-hmm. cowboy suit or whatever he's wearing with the, with the neon thing on the back that says Hot Nashville Nights. Yes, yeah. Is that a reference to something? Hot Hot I, Nashville Nights? Somebody out there. I feel like it must be. It has to be. It, it feels very deliberate that it would be hot Nashville nights on the back of it in neon. I should it- watch Rhinestone Cowboy again and see if it's a reference to that. But I mean, here's my assumption. The Smithers in his background comes from a honky-tonk world and how he lived out his love of camp was as a Rhinestone Cowboy who uh. learned the intricate dances of honky-tonk. And he is asking one of these single ladies to dance because he just wants, he's got no chance chance to do these dances and now he finally can here but it's i think it's in <laughs> in i'm really pulling i, I like apart. this headcanon keep going yeah. keep going uh but but i think too in so he just wants you also can't dance with another man there because that would be uncouth on the dance floor so he needs to find a woman and he knows marge simpson like it's he knows she should know too it's not a sexual thing between them and lastly i think from a joke standpoint in construction why they did this is because if you just see a guy ask marge to dance you think oh is this creepsville or is this marge being hit on unwantedly by a guy and then when you see it smithies you're like no oh, okay that's not what this is yeah. but what is this i think it's i think it's an, like an opportunity for smithers to do a little peacocking in a completely safe yeah. zone. Like, I think <laughs> you're absolutely right. True. And I, I love that he he pulls his bolo tie <laughs> to light up the neon yeah. on the back of his jacket. He wants to show it off. Yeah. And yeah. There, there's one that it's at least one person in this world is not shitting on Marge at this place. You know, That's like he, I'm sure he made her feel a little bit better. Well, she's so into it. She there, there's a sound that she makes when he asks her to like sh- when he shows her the jacket that I've never heard Marge make oh, before. Yes, or yeah. And she goes woo woo. And yeah, I just think actually, it's so funny. Can, oh, yeah, I'll she, play it real quick. Just say woo woo. <laughs> yeah. You know how? Ma'am, I wouldn't honk the honk if I couldn't tonk the tonk. <laughs> whoa, whoa. 
Ooh, wow, ooh. so Marge, uh, Marge, uh, we learned that Mr. Plow, she likes uh, fancy jackets with words oh, on them. That's, that's true. One of her, that's one of her kinks, everybody. Don't, don't kink shame. It's normal. Again, as I said, she hasn't discovered her love of exhibitionism yet. That's like two years away. It's coming up. But um, I also just love Tonk the Tonk. Tonk the Tonk. It's a, it's a real uh, Ken Keelerism there, it feels like. Or just Futurama-y type line. Yeah, that is too. a really Futurama joke. Yeah. Right. Then we go back to the chili. I think Homer is having Moe's Hobo Chicken Chili there. When he All right. takes a sip of it. He uses the neck, right? Yep. He starts with the best part, the neck. The neck. <laughs> uh, but clearly it's uh, not spicy since it's it's uh, good only for people recovering from surgery. <laughs> he describes it as pedestrian, which I feel like is so <laughs> above Homer's typical vocabulary. I love that he saves it for just just to put down Mo. Well, he does become a, a food critic in Later like on, yeah. four years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And maybe he they were drawing back from to this episode for that's his true. food tasting skills. And that's and in that one too, they want to get revenge on Homer. In that case, they definitely want to kill him. In this one, Wiggum wouldn't be sad if Homer was injured by this pepper, but he's not planning to kill him. But let's let's get this straight. <laughs> Homer was definitely injured by these peppers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He's uh, speaking of the history in these scenes here. The, with Wiggum, there's no setup to it before, but the second you see Wiggum's anger at Homer, you're like, have they been feuding with his chili for like 5 years now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's established in the beginning that this is a recurring thing that Homer goes to. Right. So there's there has to be some sort of rivalry that's built up over the years that's and then this scene. That's Simpson. He thinks he's the Pope of Chili Town. Well, <laughs> this year I am ready for him. Hello, cheap. Afternoon, Homer. Mm-hmm. Care for some chili? I've added an extra ingredient just for you. The merciless peppers of Quetzalcoatl Tenango. <laughs> <laughs> Grown deep in the jungle primeval by the inmates of a Guatemalan insane asylum. Uh, Wiggy, my chili's getting cold. It is very fun to say Quetzalsaca Tanango. Yes, yeah, and to hear like the maraca rattlesnake sound at the end, like it's that dangerous. Yeah, Guatemalan insanity peppers, like in the primeval jungles. He's really getting into it, and his tent is like this occult-looking Lovecraftian horror. Skulls and stuff on the background, isn't there? There's a gargoyle holding a spoon pushed over him. It's so great. You know, I wonder if, for our standards and practices thing, if they were worried about like, is this illegal? The peppers, Homer eating and if they make it that the police chief is giving uh, it to him they're like well then it can't be illegal if the police chief is giving it to him so homer's not breaking any laws either it's i i just wonder how many nuts they had on drug use in this because <laughs> it's uh in that medicinal marijuana episode i remember al Jean talked up very much of like we made sure it was legal every time he saw homer smoke it but even then they could move the joint towards his mouth, but, but they couldn't show the away. lips on this on it. His kids would have if you don't show him actually inhaling, kids will never know how to do they it. They can never otherwise. figure it out. They just won't know. But the poor Homer though, when he tastes that, it destroys his mouth. He's just screaming everywhere. The the animation on the ki- on the 
ice cream melting as it approaches his tongue. The so heat great. radiating off of it, like, and I, I love the way that the pepper looks. The mm. the tiger stripes on the pepper, yes, like, you it's, know, it's it's yeah. orange and and yellow it's and glowing. It, yeah, the way that they animated it, it looks hot just to just to look at it. Yeah, it looks sinister. They yeah. did a really good job of designing that pepper. And he touches it to his tongue, and his whole tongue turns yeah. bright orange. Like yes. it's just instantly too hot to handle. Well, I should say I am not a fan. I I haven't I haven't read Carlos Castaneda. I have not done hallucinogenics, and not a big fan of spicy stuff either. So this is really not the episode for me. I, I kind of am. As uh, I think, as far as I'll go, are ghost pepper things. But mm. I'm sure there are peppers above that on the scale. But ghost peppers are pretty high yeah, on, the, really, on really the heat hot. scale. I've seen friend of the show Dan Reichert. I really like. He's done. He's done those ghost pepper challenges. I mean, that's a whole volume of YouTube. Is that? But one of my favorites. He did was with pro wrestling superstar Daniel Bryan where they both did it and Daniel Bryan did the thing in wrestling which is called no selling which is you just don't show that you're in pain and so wow. Dan Riker is just pounding his fist like I'm in so much pain and Daniel Bryan's like I mean it's hot Sure, I mean it's hot. Yeah, I want to go back and say I like ghost pepper in salsa. I'm not biting into them. Yes, <laughs> and reviewing video games at the same time. <laughs> well, then that's why you're not a YouTube sensation. It's true. I really fucked that up. <laughs> uh, but it's funny to see that I now that ghost pepper challenges are just a thing. It's funny to see Homer doing that way beforehand and his insane reaction. His just screaming and running around and poor Homer. Everyone's laughing at him, but they they're feeling good that the big jerk has now yeah. burned his tongue in front of everyone. Everybody. There's this amazing frame where Wiggum is, is sitting in front of the chili pot laughing maniacally and Homer is just running back and forth yeah. in and out of frame that is so like so well put together and so funny just to look at. Like the cauldron he's making that chili in with that stick he's poking at it is so like witch-like. It's, mm-hmm. it's nice and scary. And the Foley work on that is really great too. Like that that bubbling sort of, it sounds like some sort of icker. Like, yeah, yeah, I really love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so Homer runs away. He tries to get relief with beer and then that's when, unfortunately, he gets caught by Marge and he thinks he's drinking again. Just dumps them all on himself, none yeah. in his mouth. And it's one of those great, like, uh, you know, couple problems. Neither person is wrong, but it makes their situation worse. Like, as far as Marge knows, he's getting drunk. And as far as Homer knows, like, Marge doesn't give a shit that his tongue is on fire and he's, like, dying. <laughs> when, he, when he dumps the beer on himself, too, it, it messes up his three hairs. Which I think oh, is yeah. so brilliant. Like they, they get you know, swept to one side. I think that's really great. And the the side hair is like a little uh, yeah. saggy, a little yeah. saggier too. And they make the point of showing him turn his head, so he actually none of the beer gets in his mouth. So he did not drink it all either. And uh, when they cut back, Homer is drinking from nondescript cups, but there's a pitcher of water in front of him, just so you know, like no, Homer is not drinking. It's or he's not drinking alcohol. They're very careful about that. I appreciate it. <laughs> You promised you wouldn't drink. But I need it! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lousy Wiggum. Now the whole town thinks I'm a chili wuss. Wait, mister, you're drinking a candle. You don't want to get wax in your mouth, do you? (laughs) Maybe I do, son. Maybe I do. It's great how Ralph is sort of the voice of reason in this uh, in this first act of a few times. Yeah, and he, lo- he looks weirdly off model standing next to Homer there too. It's a weird, it's a funny Ralph drawing, but it's yeah. really off model. It's not a correct Ralph. Yeah. I, apparently, that was another note that they're like kids will think it's you can't just have Homer put wax in his mouth. That's that's honestly deadly. Children shouldn't do that. So they had Ralph. It's funny anyway, but 
they needed Ralph there to be like, hey, no, 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 don't don't put candle. But Homer makes putting wax in your mouth seem really cool, though it would destroy your mouth. And you, Homer later will take the wax out of his mouth by wiping Just his, rubbing mouth. his mouth. It would yeah. also yeah. scald you, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, though, perhaps, again, back to Henry's headcanon. <laughs> uh, but his, t- his mouth is dead from p- the touching that ca- uh, touching the pepper. Oh, uh, you're right. So he's not feeling that wax at all anyway. <laughs> and the way he, like, swishes it around like mouthwash, and then his spit solidifies, like, it's it's gross, but He spits out a little too. wax sickle. Oh, And then has to break it off with his hand. Like, yes, it comes yeah. out of his mouth, he has to break it off with his hand. And <laughs> I remember just howling, laughing at that the first time I saw it. It was so funny. It's like and he has a new superpower or something. <laughs> the, the way he says outstanding after that is so great. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Also, uh, according to Reardon 2, they had to draw brand new mouth charts for Homer so the animators overseas would know, like, no, 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 don't draw his mouth to move the normal way with this language. Like When he has- talks, even like the animation of him talking like that's even funny, just the way yeah. his mouth is frozen, but it still moves a little. Yes, yeah. Well, Leading into the next portion, we see him like marching to to Wiggum, and he's got this dopey, open mouth, like slack jawed look, uh, yeah. and it's just pink wax all around his face. But clearly, has not sealed his throat up. Right, he was really lucky about that. <laughs> yes, again, you would die. Don't don't do what Homer does, kids. Listen to Ralph. Hey, everybody, look who's back! It's the big baby. Oh, this porridge is too hot. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Want some more, do you? Well, sure. Heck, it's not my job to talk people out of killing them sound. Norkly. Good Lord, this can't be happening. Oh, medical logic, steam should be shooting out of his ears. His ears if we're lucky. <laughs> well, Chief, don't quit your day job. <laughs> Whatever that is. Hoo-hoo. Homer got a good burn on him there, too. That was great, although he kind of burned himself. It was kind of a self-own, too. Yes, it's like, yeah. I actually don't know what your day job is. So I'm, I'm trying to think, Henry, did they play these chili pepper scenes at the Simpsons Land restaurants? You know, I don't recall seeing them okay. when we were there. No, they kind of, that wasn't because it was eating, but it was not a restaurant it's scene, true. you know? Yeah, I don't recall that. It, I think they were always sitting down at a table in the scenes we saw, the Krusty Burger. Without Harry Shearer. Yep. Actually, Harry Shearer was in that scene, so they couldn't have had it oh, since his land. That's exactly. why, yeah. How strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they made the, that's the deal they made, man. I uh, But the, speaking of Sergio Leone films, this is kind of like a miniature Sergio Leone film, too. If you've seen, say, Fistful of Dollars, it's that Clint Eastwood's character gets beaten by somebody, goes away, <laughs> and then has in a, in his case, he gives himself a bulletproof vest oh, okay. uh, under yeah. his, sh- of like a cast iron thing. It was also in Back to the Future 3. Yeah. And in, that's where I know it from. <laughs> and in this case, Homer comes back with another like ingenious way of defeating him, and that's putting his mouth in wax. So like in two minutes there, a little Sergio Leone film as well. That's a really smart comparison. Like that that's really clever. It's it's what I it's what I was thinking of watching it. The and Homer's like triumph there of just his also just still the blank look on his face and go, 
like having to swallow things when his tongue can't move. You can just hear it. Too. Well, he, he does eat more like a duck and not like a pig. <laughs> as we see him swallowing those entire bear claws in oh, yes. uh, Homer's Enemy. <laughs> That's true. As, as grimy would be disgusted by. Oh, sorry. I, they were eclairs, not bear claws. Oh. <laughs> and again, we like. Like they said, medically, Steve should be shooting out of his ears, or if you're lucky, <laughs> his ears. If we're lucky, his Homer definitely voids his bowels during his trip. That has to have happened. We hear his stomach too. So, oh, I mean, that stomach yeah. sound. Yeah, actually, why don't we just hear that stomach sound? I want to hear this. My finest hour. And Marge wasn't even <laughs> here to see us. <laughs> I don't feel so good. It's Thanos. Flanders, <laughs> you gotta help me. Well, sure, buddy, I'd be happy to help out. What can I do? Doodly doo doodly 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 hubbly 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 gobble 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 Master, do you need some help? Let him go, Ralph. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Sorry, we always get some uh, odd pairings on the show, and I really want to see Ralph and Otto hang out. They're both at the same level of intelligence. They're both like kind of kids in a way. I mean, Ralph's literally a kid, but I, I, I love seeing them together, and I don't know why. I also think it's really funny that Otto comforts Ralph by telling him that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows what yes. he's doing. Well, yeah. I, I think Otto comes off there as like the experienced tripper. Yeah, like, exactly. No, yeah. no, let's try. Like Otto just watched his shoes talk a, a few episodes ago, so he's he knows what that's like. But that he's like he knows what he's doing, <laughs> that, which is terrible advice. They needed to save Homer from himself right then. Yeah, uh, and so one little bit of trivia: the the scene where all the Ned mouths are talking. Uh, Bill Oakley, one of the showrunners of this time he made that with his mac and he, he gave edited it himself he did wow. he, he gave it to the sound guy and said make it sound like this and then they were like let's just put this in the show it's fine so <laughs> bill oakley ed- did sound editing for that little part of the scene that's really yeah, cool they were really hands-on by the yeah, way yeah that uh, well and so his gabba gabba hey that is a ramones, ramones reference yeah, yeah. And uh, we get an I am the walrus reference. Yeah, Beatles or Jube. And the uh, and Edna sounds like a Peanuts character because she doesn't talk in this episode other than that. So they didn't have to pay Marshall Wallace. <laughs> Save some money there. I-, I feel like each of those hallucinations are a specific reference to something, but I can't figure out what Nelson's is and I can't figure out what Barney's is. Because Barney's art style, the way that he's I- like so jagged. It, it reminds me, I, I know I've seen it somewhere before, but I'm I can't figure sure, out what it is. I'm pretty sure it's a reference to Ralph Steadman, the mm-hmm. Hunter S. Thompson artist Oh, dude. yeah, that yeah. very well could be. I think, uh, because if you go back to Selma's Choice, yes. the scene where Lisa is hallucinating uh. on the Small World parody, <laughs> the, the Selma on the boat is very much very a Ralph similar. Steadman drawing. So I think that's what he was going for. And I'm sure David Silverman drew that too. I want to watch an endless gif of the Barney Belch. Like, oh, you can make just, one. You can yeah. make it. I'm going to, I'm going to. Well, you need to make a, I don't think I've seen 
seen anybody do that Infinity War joke, Bob. This episode oh, goes good. up in a few weeks. You can, you can do it. I've never even seen that fucking movie. Oh, no. <laughs> I just know the you meme. Know I know it. the meme. <laughs> oh, the sound of his stomach. Like that's, when uh, you hear... yeah. that's, uh, that's Dan Castellaneta making that noise. Yeah, that's great. yeah. Well, that's also the secret of Pepper Challenges, too, that they say, like, well, no, putting this in my mouth sucked, but what's really going to suck is in about an hour from now. <sighs> that's that's the worst part of this Pepper Challenge. It really comes out that fast? Oh, my God. In <laughs> some cases. Uh, uh, Homer runs off, and when we come back from commercial break, so when this season started, they had some clips from this in the commercial, and when I saw Homer's, like, liquidness with the real background on him like that made me go like what could this episode be what is this yeah the second act starts with them basically shaking you you've never seen homer move like this you've never seen live action footage on the show it's outside of that one cowboy black and white footage they had at the beginning of treehouse of horror five well and also when homer came into the 3d world right right that's it that's it there's there's no transition either like you come back from that act break just slammed right into this like very hallucinogenic sequence i think it's really smart that they did it that way because it it puts you at a a level of unease that must sort of equate to you know homer's uh mental state yeah and and i the beautiful backgrounds with all the gradients on it which they just had to do with like physical paint then it wasn't it wasn't just a thing in photoshop he did like which is what uh one of the pluses david silverman talks about they can do now just any time in in uh, digital animation but yeah. yeah the the only context they give you and i wonder if that was a choice they did after the fact of like we need homer to say why he's here in case somebody just tuned in at this point and missed <laughs> the first act so that's why he has to say like hey guatemalan insanity peppers Oh, I see. I see. That makes sense. That's that's my thought. But his just God, it also feels like it's animated. Like every frame is a specific. There's no in betweening or whatever. I, I don't want to throw around terms that I don't really understand in the in the world of animation. Right. But, I mean, it wasn't it, the key frames were not delivered to Korea. Mm-hmm. David Silverman thought, uh, sat down and drew every frame himself and figured it out all out himself. That's yeah. incredible. Because yeah. This is a long sequence too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was surprised knowing that he did all of this himself. There's maybe like, I don't know, two minutes of this crazy animation that we see, possibly more, and it was all one guy. (laughs) And here's Homer tripping out, man. Where am I, Shelbyville? (laughs) (laughs) Man, this is crazy. I hope I didn't brain my damage. I better check my pupils. And they just pupils popping. And <laughs> his pupils are kind of big in this scene too. Yeah. I think I don't know if that was a mistake or they're I, they're inconsistent. I noticed they're not um, always big, so I don't know. His pupils are definitely dilated in a high way. Yeah, and when he wakes up post trip, his pupils are that big, and then finally refocus down to their normal size. So I think it's intentional that his pupils are all huge. They're breaking the pupil rules which Mac Rainey strictly enforces. I prefer the big pupils. <laughs> They're cutesier. Season right? 5 pupils are the best pupils. I love when he looks uh, you know, goes to check out his pupils and he, he sees his reflection in the water and trips out and then the, the way that he walks away from that he just says okay. <laughs> it's, it's such a good read. Yeah. <laughs> and then he does the sunrise sunset thing which is just the, I love his little walk back and forth and he's just like sunrise sunset sunrise he's very amused by it it's a very much the bed goes up bed goes down uh-huh. style mm-hmm. joke uh that's <laughs> so that makes it even weirder when they cut back to everybody leaving the cook-off because you're like oh yeah there's still reality like homer is somewhere else in space but this here's the reality has anyone seen homer 
Marge. Better you hear it from me than some <laughs> gossipy neighbor. Homer made a total jackass of himself. Oh, Helen, that's enough. Call off your dog. Oh, but someone had to tell her. And I got here first. Helen, <laughs> zip it. Oh, oh, please. Zip. Tim. Oh. No beer, huh? I guess I know what a promise from Homer J. Simpson is worth. Reverend Lovejoy is just as bad as his wife, but he also pulls rank on her. Yes. He's yeah. just as into judging uh, Marge and Homer as his wife is, but he still wants mm. to judge his wife. He's got to boss her around, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> it just it sucks that she's so excited to, like, she even goes so far as to say, oh, I, and I got here first. Yeah. That's so rude. That's so unbelievably I rude. I was the first one to shame her. She's yeah. like, hey, I called this, all right? I got here first. I get to be the one to spread this gossip. She's loving it so much. She gets to just ruin Marge. Is Ruin Marge's whole like day, maybe even the marriage. Uh, like uh, she, she's probably thinking to herself, maybe I could cause a breakup here. <laughs> Have I got that much power? I also think it's really funny that she calls uh, Reverend Lovejoy Tim. Tim, yeah. yeah. Do we hear a lot of his first name before, like season seven and eight? So Timothy I did Lovejoy? look this up. Okay, thank you. The uh, the earliest I could find that he was called Timothy Lovejoy was in Gabbing About God in uh, wow the Like Father Like Clown episode in Boy, season three. I think they just forgot his name was Timothy. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Maybe they looked it up. Like, well, he needs to call him by his first name. Of well, what is it? Oh, it turns out in the then again if. Bill and Josh were such season three fanboys. They might have just remembered. Oh, yeah. Both. Yeah. Yep. They would have known. It's kind of cute that she's like, Tim. Like, she, <laughs> she wants to just say it. She's like, oh, come on now. I feel so bad for Homer here, too, that Marge is like, guess I know what a promise from And you just want to be like, your husband might die. Like, he's <laughs> he ran off into nowhere high. He's He could die. You have to remember, uh, Homer was holding six beers and screaming, but I need it yeah, at Marge. That's also so true. Yeah. She has every right to feel that he was wasted and just wandered <laughs> off somewhere. Or got arrested, as she says later in the car. And uh, then Homer has an encounter with a helpful tortoise. Ah. Hey, buddy, get back there with the other rocks. Huh? <laughs> oh, a tortoise? Follow the... <gasps> this must be why I'm here. Follow the what? Follow the what? Hurry up! Ow! Get moving, you stupid. <laughs> when I'm kicking you, that means hurry up. <laughs> Come on. I love his little muttering like when I'm kicking you that means hurry up. I also I also love that when he kicks the tortoise it it doesn't just move in the way that you would kick a normal like a normal object it just shoots off into the distance and Homer has to follow him all that way. <laughs> and then when yeah. he runs after the tortoise his oh. running cycle is so weird and slowed down and viewed from this odd perspective mm-hmm. it's really great. There are no there's no rules to the physics of this world. It's so dreamy. I feel I've had dreams like that but I don't know if it's because I watched this and then <laughs> had dreams about like running and then the ground moves faster than my steps are going but it's just and with the kind of like guitar strum under it like for each step he's taking is so good Mm -hmm. it's gorgeous I mean it's just this is a gorgeous episode and we cut back to the kids finding out why Homer's not in the car and I do love Bart's like time for chili (laughs) come on time for it's it's just the type of bad hat that a child would waste money on at a a thing and they never wear it again I also think it's great that that 
Bart gets uh, upset with Lisa because she just doesn't understand his <laughs> his comedic genius, and he's like, "Where's Dad? Dad would get it. This, yeah. hat, this hat is wasted on you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah Homer would enjoy the time for chili hat. Uh-huh. He would. He'd be laughing still about it. I think. I think if he could zoom in on that hat, all the numbers would be replaced by the word chili. Yeah. So mm-hmm. everyone everyone would be chili. I like it. Or a chili pepper, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. I. You <laughs> couldn't, that's an that's an, an SD show. You can't have all the details. Uh, no, that's too mu- too much detail. But that Marge accepts that she just abandoned Homer. Like that's also. So shows you how pissy is like, oh, I'm abandoning him. I'm leaving him here. If he's drunk, he can get home himself. I feel like, again, this has happened before. Uh, oh, yes. She has, she has left him at this place before. She even thinks that he might come home in a cop car. Right, right. right. It's yeah. happened more than once at yeah. this point already. Uh, so we get back into the crazy world. Homer with the Mayan pyramid is so great, too. He's like, it's because it kicked you, isn't it? Like, and, and the, the turtle looks so friggin' smug, too. You know, yeah, he's, you like, he's nodding nods his, head. his head. He's like, yeah, that's right. You kicked me, so now you got to yeah. climb this giant pyramid. Screw you. <laughs> and his, uh, when Homer gets to the top, it's really just, there's not a joke to it. It's just creepy. The, the, faceless Marge that constantly turns around like another amazing visual effect in this. And I love how that's echoed later in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That then she just go- turns into dust in Homer. That's where we hear the opening line of Homer saying, why am I here? He just, he hate, he's sick of being tortured. He's been trapped here is probably for in his mind years. He's less freaked out and more just like, let me out. I'm yes. What do you want from me? Let this end. Uh, so then we get a guess, which Ooh. unfortunately we have to play the old no. death jingle. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. Jonathan Cash. Mm-hmm. He's walking the line with John- the angels now. Jonathan Cash. Uh, known to his friends as Johnny. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And uh, this is all of his, well, all but one of his lines right here in this uh, kind of long clip. Fear not, Homer. I am your spirit guide. Oh, yeah. There is a lesson you must learn. If it's about laying off the insanity peppers, I'm way ahead of you. No, I speak of a deeper wisdom. The problem, Homer, is that the mind is always chattering away with a thousand thoughts at once. Yeah, that's me, all right. (laughs) Clarity is the path to inner peace. What should I do? Should I meditate? Should I get rid of all my possessions? Are you kidding (laughs) <laughs> if anything, you should get more possessions. You don't even have a computer. You know, I have been meaning to take a spiritual journey, and I would... would hey! Knock it off! Sorry. I am a coyote. Look, just give me some inner peace or I'll mop the floor with you. Good. Your mind is in a state of readiness, so listen well. To make yourself complete, you must find your soulmate. Soulmate? Your kindred spirit, the one with whom you share an unspoken bond, a profound mystical understanding. That's it? Well, that's Marge. Big deal. Great spiritual quest, Wolfie. My soulmate is Marge. Is it? So Johnny Cash is dead, and now we're out of cash, jobs, and hope. Is that how it goes? Oh, yeah, yeah. That conservative meme? or That's a good yeah, one. I get not it. not very yeah. good. yeah. <laughs> Oh wait! They yeah, left no. out Ritter. Well, also, and also, Johnny Cash was not a conservative. That's like, true. He was a Christian, but not a conservative. I, I, I do like him. I feel bad that uh, he has a lot of terrible fans. Like a lot of douchey guys oh, love Johnny yeah. Cash, and I, I own a lot of Johnny Cash CDs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. especially. 
when it was cool, back when Walk the Line came out. And I was yeah. like, I want to be a badass rebel like Johnny Cash. <laughs> Always wearing black. <laughs> yeah, no, he's... I I look up to Johnny Cash a lot. I think he's... Uh, he, the movie, Joaquin Phoenix does a good job with it, but he's not... Johnny Cash was such a specific person. And you hear that voice, you're like, well, they, no one has that voice. It's only him. Like, the second you hear that voice... In this episode, too, you're like, holy shit, they got Johnny Cash. Like, I, wow. Even yeah. more so when you hear Justin audio you know, on the show, uh, it, it strikes me how perfectly cast he is in this role. His voice is so perfect for it. And on the commentary, they talk about how they had potentially wanted Bob Dylan to do the role as well. And I think that would have been a totally different sort of Absolutely. vibe and feeling. And, yeah. and you know, I, I don't know. I think that it would would not have been anywhere near as good. And I, I love Bob Dylan, but Johnny Cash is such a better fit. It would have been a cool get, but I like Johnny Cash's low-key energy and his mm-hmm. very distinct voice. I mean, Bob Dylan has a very distinct voice, too, but this is perfect for Space Coyote. And I think we can't go by without pointing out uh, our friend Nina Matsumoto. Mm-hmm. She is Space Coyote, yes, so she yeah. took her inspiration for her online persona from this episode. The, she's the, in case you don't, if you're a new listener, she's the amazing artist of our Patreon image. She is our cool friend and she was the guest on the summer of four foot two episode you should be following her on twitter and yeah she named herself after her her online persona has been space coyote about as long as this episode has existed also with him versus bob dylan i'm really glad they didn't get bob dylan just because i know from having seen like at least clips from westerns or other movies that johnny cash and bob dylan have appeared in of like johnny cash was always the better actor oh yeah he's, he's a better actor than bob dylan i don't think he discovered bob dylan but he was definitely one of his early boosters like well i think one of bob dylan's first television appearances was on a johnny cash tv special i mm. believe space coyote could only be johnny cash to me it's it uh, only yeah. fits you brought up the tv specials henry and i'm wondering these are all children from the 70s children of the mm. 70s writing the show were they into it because they grew up watching the cheesy johnny cash uh the <laughs> reform show yeah, yeah. The, the sort of reform johnny cash family friendly stuff yeah I in wonder. the 70s i bet it was i mean i'm sure they had a lot of respect for him but mm. that's probably the johnny cash they know <laughs> I'm sure. Also, the, the Space Coyote design, I love his like box nose and his just like sharp angles. He looks like a dream, not like a regular Simpsons character. Too. And they made Johnny Cash make dog noises. That's that was yeah. really him. I could hear it in the uh, in the clip. <laughs> and just his little laugh like, sorry, I am, I am a, coyote. a coyote. Yeah, I am My favorite coyote. part of that is like, you don't even own a computer. <laughs> yes, the Johnny Cash. That's so the opposite of what you think Johnny Cash would say. Just be like, yeah, get, spend some time with your thoughts. He's like, no, you need more distraction. Yeah, if anything, you need more. I think it's really great that, that the writers of this episode open the door to Homer having an actual like deep thought in all of this. You know, he says, you know, I have been meaning to go on a spiritual journey, but then he just gets bit by a dog. So it's like totally interrupted. Like That's just when that. you think yeah. you're going to get some, some clarity and some vision on what, what he's doing in this sort of nether realm. He just gets bit by a dog and <laughs> completely forgets about it. He's and, uh, distracted by his own spirit. Animal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you know, from this being the show as a viewer, you know that it's going to be Marge's soulmate. Of course. But yeah. He says it right out of the gate. But, but they do sow seeds of doubt there well with the with Space Coyote telling him like is she like whoa man you blew my mind here that's Space a great Coyote. end to this whole uh, sequence too yes well it ends with the uh, that 
the train coming at him, and I love that. That also feels like Galaxy a, Express. It, well, no, actually, yes, but no. So, yeah, you know what? It is Galaxy Express. Some people on the internet are like, "Oh, it's a Soul Train reference." Like, no, it's Silverman not. knows anime. He referenced Lupin on the commentary. Yeah. He, if, if he knows Lupin, he knows Galaxy Express. Lupin Three. Is Lupin Three. Said, said it. <laughs> they uh, they actually talk about the Soul Train intro on uh, the commentary. Uh, do they? Yeah, hmm. but it doesn't. I rewatched the Soul Train intro when I saw when I was looking this up. I was like, this really doesn't look like it. I mean, if they said it on the commentary, then they it should must have be. added like a disco or soul beat to the train <laughs> or something. Make your jokes funnier, Simpsons. That's, and a, that's an order. Well, I do love Homer saying like, oh no, now there's even less. Now there's none. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just jump out of the way. Quit describing how much time you have. Then Homer's trip has come to an end. Hey, get off the course, you bum. Security. <laughs> well, golf course. Did I dream that whole thing? Maybe the desert was just the sand trap. <laughs> oh, and I bet that crazy pyramid was just a pro shop. <laughs> and that talking coyote was really just a talking dog. Hi, Homer. Find your soulmate. Hey, wait a minute. There's no such thing as a talking <laughs> dog. Damn straight. Damn straight. <laughs> The escalation is so perfect. So you you kind of you can kind of buy it at the beginning. Yes, yes, the sand trap could be the desert, but when you see the pro shop, who would build the pro shop? Who would build a pyramid first and then put a pro shop, pro shop at the very yeah. top of it? Yeah. Golfers are usually old men. They're not going to yeah. climb all those stairs. It's impossible. And I have to assume Homer is just still coming down from his trip. And when he hears the dog talk, that's just still his imagination. Yeah. And I love the dog's voice though. Uh, hi, Homer. Yeah. He's not. They can't afford a celebrity voice. They could have had that be Johnny Cash's voice again, but instead it's like anti Johnny Cash. We're like, hi, Homer. I like how goofy it is. It's it's what Homer would think a talking dog sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, if uh, Kent Brockman is there, I wonder if this is the same golf course that he played on in the Chanel episode. Could be. Could be the same country. I kind of just assumed that it was the same, Mm. but yeah. They can't have too many in Springfield golf courses. And uh, also, uh, a country club always struck me as more of a Shelbyville kind of thing anyway. So yeah, that's true. Springfield's not good enough. That's right. On the commentary, too, they talked about how this was inspired by a friend of theirs who also woke up after blacking out on a golf course, which, uh, and the friend apparently found out he wasn't even just in the different town. He was it in a different state. state lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was like another writer on the show. There's, I, I wonder how many drugs these writers do, man. <laughs> but, but I really do wonder that sometimes. And in Mike Reese's book, he talks about how he smoked pot a lot in high, in college. So I'm just like, well, okay, like, were all of you guys just smoking pot all the time on The Simpsons or what? So when Homer gets home, first off, we have, I think, my favorite catchphrase of Bart's, which is, oh, I God. says to Mabel. <laughs> so then I says to Mabel, I says, Hi, kids. I'll finish this later. Hi, Dad. Where's your mother? Out back. So anyway, I says to Mabel, I says, <laughs> Hi, honey. Oh, I guess you're cranky because I didn't come home last night. I'm cranky because my husband got drunk and humiliated me in front of the entire town. You broke your promise, Homer. Oh, honey, I didn't get drunk. I just went to a strange fantasy world. (laughs) Come on, you got to believe me. You're my soulmate. Don't soulmate me! Okay. 
One thing I caught for the first time was when Marge turns around. So this is all played on Marge's back, just like in the fantasy. When she turns around to say, don't soulmate me, for two frames and of her saying don't, she has like shark teeth. Oh, wow. wow. And you can barely, but uh, like you barely see them, but it really adds to how angry she is. But it's like almost a subliminal thing, but they're there. They're sharp shark teeth wow. in her mouth. Yeah. That reminds me of a thing I forgot to mention during the trip scene where when Homer is running, when he runs away at the end of Act 1, you can see his eyes, his pupils move around just a little bit jittery that uh, shows you he's he's losing it. Like, and It's like for maybe four frames or something. It goes by so fast. But that's another Jim Reardon touch of like these things that your brain barely notices but inform action. I, I love that throwaway story that Bart is trying to tell. And, you know, I says to Mabel, I says, like, what the hell was he talking about? I really want to know who this friend Mabel is yeah, and yeah. why he's talking like a 50s housewife. Right. That's what's so, that's so great. It comes off like he's in a Burns and Allen show or something. Yeah. Like, so I says to Mabel, I says, and the, there's never been a Mabel before in his life. And that's, uh, which now reminds me of the wonderful Gravity Falls character, Mabel, who I wonder if that was inspired. This, this <laughs> Directly inspired by this episode. <laughs> I says to to Mabel should be Bart's uh, like catchphrase. catchphrase. I love this. so Homer. I love to Homer's just walk away like okay, like <laughs> he's he knows he fucked up. It's and a great pose. It's, again, big eyes. <laughs> Look at those big eyes on Homer. Well, and the ramification is so clear because like the very next shot is Marge sleeping in bed alone, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's got the blanket downstairs yeah. on the yeah. couch. And this is when Homer is realizing he has no soulmate. We don't have anything in common. Look at these records. Jim Neighbors, Glenn <laughs> Campbell, the Doodletown Pipers. Now look at her records. They stink. <laughs> oh, maybe I had that crazy dream for a reason. Wherever my soulmate is, it's not here. It's not the first time that we've seen Homer's terrible taste in music. <laughs> that is true. He has a Castorado Christmas and Tiny Tim and these things, I believe. Yeah, Jim Neighbors, especially. I, so- I was excited to find out the Doodle Town Pipers are real. Yeah, that, me too. Yes. I looked it up for the first time today. Yeah, me too. I so oh, no. <laughs> we've we have talked about Jim Neighbors before on here, folks. So you don't need to know too much. About He's kind that. of awesome. I lo- I love Jim Neighbors. I but love Gomer Pyle. His his music is uh, was not cool not even a little bit glenn campbell that's i'm just a lineman for the county Mm. i do love that song i i learned of that song's existence from the space ghost episode that matt groening did Uh where matt groening quotes glenn campbell in their interview or space ghost asks them so what do you do and then matt groening says i'm just a lineman for the county oh that's good and then multiple other people say glenn campbell lines in it so then the name of the episode is glenn campbell (laughs) oh by the way as of this recording this is going to be so dated but the alex jones on space ghost clip Whoever put that oh, together, it's amazing. Really Someone edited in I, Alex I, Jones footage as, as if he's on Space Ghost. And they're all just staring at him. Zorak is blinking at him. I've not seen that, but that sounds incredible. Yeah, it's easy to find. Look it up. <laughs> I, One thing that I did want to say, so there's that shot of, uh, you know, that, that pans down from the bedroom into the living room. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those VHS tricks. Like You had to have paused it oh, to yeah. have seen it. You really need to freeze on this one. Yeah, but the, all the, the wires running through their house are labeled. Uh, they're all tapped. It's uh, NSA, FBI, ATF, CIA, KGB, and MCI. And I thought that was really <laughs> CIA. Yeah. Wow, we didn't I really... never have caught that. Yeah. I never hit pause on that. I don't think I really cared about the NSA 22 years ago. Now, yeah. now it's a big deal. 
<laughs> but the Doodletown Pipers, guys, they... Oh, yeah, back to Doodletown. <laughs> I was sure that it was a made-up thing until until recently, and then when I looked this up. So if you've seen the film A Mighty Wind, the Main Street singers that are in this, which is just the dozens of lame-o sing, uh, singers of folk covers, that's the Doodletown Pipers. It is that inspired the Doodletown Pipers right down to their yellow and blue outfits and their kind of cult-like atmosphere. Uh, why would you name your band that? Do you want to be mocked? <laughs> I think they did. Well, they wanted to be seen as old-timey and okay, safe. Okay, Doodletown. And, mm, that uh, sounds dirty. <laughs> well, it's for the churches would love this, though. And so they don't have original songs. They are a cover group. And here's them doing A Hard Day's Night. Oh, no. Oh. Oh God! It's already bad. <laughs> it's been a hard day's night, uh. and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. Oh, I should be sleeping like a log. But when I get home to you, I find the things that you do will make me feel all right. Okay, it got a little better, but I was getting sick in the beginning. <laughs> I, I hate it so much. I'm a huge Beatles fan. They're by, by far and away my favorite band. And mm-hmm. I'm of the mindset that you probably shouldn't, you just shouldn't cover the Beatles to begin with. Why does that everybody one is especially that? Yeah. sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lost cause. I remember reading a review that made me realize this in the uh, when the I Am Sam soundtrack yeah. came out. No one remembers that film. I uh, do. <laughs> uh, well, you shouldn't. Erase. It was uh, that and the other sister. It was a big fad in that kind of movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. But so the soundtrack made the interesting choice of it having all Beatles covers. Mm-hmm. And in the reviews of it, I remember seeing like it's such a gamble to do a Beatles cover because you can't do it better, or at least you can't do it in a way that people will think is better, even if you're technically better at it. And so, meanwhile, your chance at failure and being and people telling you you destroyed one of the greatest songs of all time. So I think the most popular one off of that was Rufus Wainwright's Across the Universe, yeah, which is a really good one. It's one of my favorite Across the it, Universe it's covers. It's very few and far between that I feel like a Beatles cover is, is worth shit. No. And uh, there's this weird thing, I, I realize I'm a little off topic, but oh. there's this weird nostalgia happening right now for uh, Across the Universe, the... The, the movie? Yeah. Okay. The really? Julie Taymor film oh where like really, uh, people from our generation apparently were just like... We totally. watched it in college, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and like really love it and it's been making the rounds in theaters again uh, and... and uh, oh. I, I hate that movie. I, I think all the covers in that movie suck. And like, it's so twee. I just, yeah. it makes my skin crawl. I think uh, the one that I dislike the most in that is the Mr. Kite one because it's just, that's it's actually my favorite to- one. I it's, love that it's one. Sing talking. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of sing talking. But you like Johnny Cash. I mean, oh, well, I guess you, you got me. You got me there. I vaguely remember that movie. Weren't they just way too literal with all of their interpretations? Everything is so on the nose. Yeah. She came in through the gra- bathroom window. And there oh, she yeah. goes. <laughs> and there she goes. Does, yes, and or same with uh, happiness is a warm gun. Really is like it's just. Uh, I think it's dancers with guns uh, yeah. dancing with PTSD. Guys. They're measuring the temperature of the gun, <laughs> <laughs> and and then the end of the movie is is just the song on Apple Records too. It, it's a lame movie. Yeah. I I it's, I've shocked people like that. Like they, I, I would watch I Am Sam again before <laughs> I would I would put that movie on at the video store. So it came out on DVD when I worked at a video store, and I would put it on often just to hear music because the rules were it had to be a I played too many Simpsons DVDs at that job until <laughs> eventually the boss said like we are a film store and you play films we do not watch Ouch. the Simpsons at work and I was like damn dude 
calm down. But so the rule was had to be a movie and you can't really watch a movie and it's no fun. So I was like, you know what? I just want to hear music. And I put on a ton of different musicals. That was one of them. My favorite was the concert for Bangladesh. Yeah, that's a great one. It was so great. You got to skip the Ravi Shankar like first 20 minutes. If you don't want to bore people in the the store. That's what Krusty plays in uh, Like Father Like Clown. He visits the Simpsons house and doesn't want to leave. Yeah, that's right. And and meanwhile, in a later episode, Apu will play the concert against Bangladesh. But enough about that. Wait, no, you guys, you really brought it back full circle on that. Yeah, that was really nice. I wasn't, I wasn't even trying to, but uh, here we are. Uh, so we come back to an all-night furniture store. That's a great scene to just, again, they need to recap shit for the audience. And instead of just going with a simple thing like, I can't believe Marge isn't my soulmate. It's him telling what you think is a psychiatrist that information. And yeah. instead, it's an all-night furniture That's store. That's the topper, <laughs> the sign all-night furniture all store. Night. Homer is on a search for soulmates. Hey, Bernie, soulmate, let me buy you a beer. Okay, but I'm not your soulmate. I'm really more of a chum. Well, what about you, Lenny? I'm a crony. Carl? I'd say quids. Call me <laughs> sympathizer. Compadre. Associate. Contemporary. I'm a well-wisher in that I don't wish you any specific harm. <laughs> hmm. Oh, is this a GBM? Uh, yeah. I read in the personal you were seeking a soulmate. Well, I also like rainy days in movies. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. Or that. No, it's not that I'm afraid. I'm going to hang up now. Bye-bye. No, I give up. Find your soulmate, Homer. Find your soulmate. Where? Where? This is just your memory. I can't give you any new information. <laughs> that joke is uh, again one of the secret best jokes. I, uh, I, I love it so much. That's that's close to my line of the episode yeah. too. Just I I think of that so many times. Uh, they should say that in all these movies where when they have a memory that then reveals new information, and it's like no, that's a memory. That's not what happened. Yeah, yeah. it's not. I can't reveal any. That Johnny Cash also seems to feel bad for me. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't do. I, I think in this era they're really into uh, Kearney as an adult. Mm-hmm. So he's he's, he's there at drinking the at, at Moe's. Yeah, yeah, and he's an associate of Homer, which <laughs> I think this is a fun little thesaurus thing scene, which they probably used a real thesaurus for. Oh yeah, like it's, a, it's a, a very Harvardy scene. But I also like that all those words mean slightly different things. So you can, if you just go person by person of like, Hibbert thinks he's a contemporary. This, the, what does that mean compared to Carl thinking he's an, a, an acquaintance? Like, yeah. that's kind of me. I was like, you should be closer yeah. with Carl than well, What does Barney call him? A chum? A chum. That makes sense. He's, Barney is definitely a chum, yes. And and also that Mo is a, Mo's definition of well-wisher is so great, too. He just doesn't want him to get specifically harmed. Yeah. <laughs> and this uh, GBM joke is great. I have to say, uh, Homer gets way more homophobic later in the season. Mm-hmm. Here he's just like, this is not what I signed up for. He's I, not I like, like gross, yuck. He's just I like, like to I'm imagine, gonna go now. I like to imagine that the guy on the other end, uh, or the, the person on the other end, is is describing just the most lewd acts to Homer, <laughs> and Homer's just like, well, no. <laughs> he doesn't hang up in disgust. He's yeah. like, 
don't like that. He's kind of considering it like, I wouldn't do that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and all, obviously the joke is gay black man. Yes, yeah. which uh, parent, my mom had to explain that one for me. I did not. Uh, now personal ads, that's not how it is anymore. The people in personal ads back then had to do those three letters because you paid by the letter in personal ads, folks. Yeah, and it's, uh, the Craigslist personal ads are down now, right? They're just because oh, yeah. of all the murder. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, I mean, that is a risk in personal ads, but I thought it was because sex workers were using it to sell their wares and uh, then they were had more cra- craigslist had more of a crackdown yeah. on that eventually which is too bad it's like you know we're a pro sex worker podcast here. i believe so mm-hmm. <laughs> but anywho uh kearney drinking beer that was pretty funny too uh so then home uh, homer goes on like the show's at least fourth long weekend scene or mm. lost weekend scene it's. I think it's a little weak. I mean, yeah. the signs are just sort of like um, arbitrary. They're just yeah. sort of just the signs are not tied to what Homer's experiencing, really. In I, the in the pantheon of awesome Simpsons montages, I feel like this one is pretty low because the yeah. signs are, are very run of the mill or or kind of uh, to borrow a phrase from Homer, sort of pedestrian. It's yes. like <laughs> like. Uh, employees must wash hands. Uh, yeah. Severe tire ones? damage. Yeah, severe tire damage. It's like, what does that even mean? And yeah. and the places he goes to, they're fun. Yeah, I, they're, I mean, they're just not that fun. I would call them cute gags. Yeah. The, the kissing fish eating each other. That was a Futurama. I say yeah. everything's a Futurama joke, but that seriously was. Like, yeah. And uh, I think they. that's why they paid for the Janice Ian song, because like, well, this this makes it better because you have this song about teenage girl realizing the cruelties of the world over Homer as a man in his late 30s walking around <laughs> loveless. It's it's a cute juxtaposition, at least. And Janice Ian got paid, or at least the people who own the publishing rights did. Mm. <laughs> Was that the original song? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, I at, couldn't tell. At 17. So that's when Homer... Homer thinks he's found who could truly be his soulmate in, in Earl. Earl at the lighthouse. <laughs> and he goes a bit mad. <laughs> yes, it's uh, Homer commits crimes here. Like he, Big he's, time. Homer should go to jail, but apparently, too, it's a Twilight zone kind of twist. of the. Uh, not really, but cor- this was according to Wikipedia that it's a reference to the Twilight Zone episode, The Old Man in the Cave, Okay, which that is a post-apocalyptic episode where it's in the scary far-off future of 1974 where... Gasp. Uh, <laughs> America is in ruins. There's maybe like 500 people left alive. And this guy is running the town and he says, I don't know if we can eat this contaminated food. I have to go ask the old man in the cave. And then the people in the town eventually say like, but we want to eat the food. And he's like, no, the old man in the cave says it's contaminated. And then they eventually like oust him as the leader and force him to show them the old man in the cave. And it's really a computer that tests things for him. They then destroy the computer in rage that they've been lied to. (laughs) Then everyone but him dies from eating the bad food. And then Rod Sterling says at the end, like... Pretty weird, huh? Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to read the line. (laughs) Okay. You know that classic Rod Sterling catchphrase? (laughs) Pretty weird. Pretty weird, huh? Boy, that was messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Goldsmith, survivor, an eyewitness to man's imperfection, an observer... Of the very human trait of greed and a chronicler of the last chapter, the one reading suicide. Uh, what's, no, like, what's, the, what's the moral? <laughs> um, don't that 
you're fucked. Like, nuclear <laughs> you know, holocaust, we're all dead and we'll all destroy each Again, other. Again, pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty messed up, huh? What a twist that we all would kill ourselves. <laughs> I guess I could see the similarities here of Homer also getting angry when he th- finds out this person who's going to save him is actually just a computer. And Yeah, what does he say when he's running upstairs? No more lonely nights for Homer and Earl. <laughs> no more yeah. for Homer and Earl. <laughs> he's thinking of this, this great future with Homer and Earl together. Yeah, he's gonna, he is, he's, I guess he sees a platonic time with Earl since he just turned down GBM. Right. uh, Any port in the storm for Homer, (laughs) which I say comedically. That's right. Very very topical, yeah. Yes, it's a a stormy night here at the lighthouse. (gasps) The lighthouse keeper! The loneliest man in the world. He'll (laughs) understand me! My new friend's name is Earl. Here I come, buddy. No more loneliness for Homer and Earl. (laughs) A machine? Earl's a machine? Oh, that's just perfect. Homer's desperate search for a soulmate has yielded a lighthouse-keeping robot. (laughs) Oh, wow. Hey, look, is that Dad? Either that or Batman's really let himself go. <laughs> Homer's just reveling in the sarcasm there. Like, yeah. that's just perfect. Oh, wow. And Homer, Homer very helpfully for Lisa's joke, holds that pose for like 10 yeah. seconds. Yeah. And that's a line, that's a line that I, I often say too is like, if somebody's asking, well, is that, you know, XYZ? I'll be like, yeah, either that or Batman's really let himself go. And <laughs> most times I'm met with just quizzical looks Those people are yeah. wrong <laughs> same with when i back when i did like regular videos at a website somebody is like if they told me to say something for a mic test sometimes i would just do like so i says to mabel i says so it's more fun filler than just saying rhubarb or whatever rhubarb <laughs> so coming up we see captain McAllister right uh, mm-hmm. piloting a ship so if you go back to bart's girlfriend when bart walks in and sees jessica singing she's cast in this beautiful light it's the sea captain shining a light on the town instead of the sea and he uh, says i yeah. hate the sea and everything in it but now <laughs> he's on a boat and someone else is fucking up in the lighthouse so it's a great thing they never ever thought about yeah the uh, hoisted by his own petard yeah but he still knows nothing about the sea or port or starboard or anything. yeah that's such a great... Yeah. Well, he also has two glass eyes as well. That's Let's true. not forget this. That, that's not canon. Ah, matey. Nary a warning like to be seen. Tis clear sailing ahead for our precious cargo. Uh, would that be the hot pants, sir? Aye, the, the hot, hot pants. pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be wow. lonely for long. <laughs> and you weren't there and I was so worried. Really? You were? Oh. Yes. So this act three, I love this episode, but I feel as soon as Marge gets there, they have like one minute to finish the episode. Mm. And as much as I like the beginning pre-cook-off scenes, I feel like they would have had more time if they started at the cook-off and home, uh, Marge yeah. would be like, now no drinking, Homer. You or know? got rid of the honk, the talk scene yeah, too, I just, maybe. Uh, I just don't like, I've never liked the resolution of this episode. I love the hot pants. <laughs> yeah. I, say, I love the hot pants. I, I do think it's such a like such a funny throwaway joke that the ship is just full of hot pants. <laughs> yeah. In like old-timey crates. Yeah, yeah, but this is something that, that would kind of plague later seasons of The Simpsons where you'd have 
this full arc and then they would try to wrap an episode in, in the last 90 seconds and it would always yeah. be this sort of unsatisfying conclusion and I feel like season 8 is where that really starts to happen. You kind of see it at the end of... Um, oh, uh, the Homer They Fall. The Homer yeah, They Fall. Yeah. And then yeah. you see it again here too where it's like they just shoehorn an ending in the third act and it's like, yeah. it's fine, but it, mm. you know... I kind of don't buy Marge forgiving Homer this quickly this easily, on, yeah. on mm. these uh, shallow of terms because from her perspective, he got a rip-roaring drunk uh, came embarrassed home, her. embarrassed yeah. her in front of the entire town. Came home like the next day, and she's just so willing. Like I feel, this makes me feel bad for Marge. Well, like, also, yeah. when she she if she wakes up and sees he's not there, she could rightly assume. And actually, Homer does go to a bar. She's like, well, yeah, he's drinking himself to in stupid at most. <laughs> yeah, like I shouldn't be worried. I I guess that's weird because the resolution here, like the the catalyst for her going to search for Homer, is that she woke up and he wasn't there. But guess what? She woke up and he wasn't there the night before. That's he was true. sleeping on a golf course. So it's I. They could have built a better way. F- I mean, this is so pedantic of, of, of all of us. We <laughs> sure. should all be ashamed. But it it is like she shouldn't have found Homer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, that spotlight should have been like Marge should have seen the spotlight. Like, that's Homer, and yeah. she should have left. I don't know why they didn't use that as the way to get Marge there instead of using it as the Batman joke. I guess because that Batman joke is just a cut for syndication type joke mm, to just yeah. filler that they can easily remove. That's not plot centric and though homer's laughing over that music like that's in like cube like in a kubrick movie they would play that music over someone losing their mind it's yeah. like, almost like a ren and stimpy scene of, yeah like ren freaking out and i like how his his eyes are bouncing up and down so you know he's really getting into the cackling it's if you want to say like wow homer really broke the law here and is murder it like as far as you know he is gonna kill many people <laughs> no you, friends they're all friends you have to well you have to say that why is Homer extra crazy here? Like, well, he's still coming down for that pepper. You know, it, it can take a while. <laughs> I, I do think Marge's explanation of how her rationale of how she found Homer is really funny, especially the fact, that, the fact that the fact that the town slopes in a yeah. certain direction, like I mean, guided I, him to the lighthouse. I do like the jokes, but I want there more to be more about like a story mechanic for mm. her to have really known that. Yeah, yeah I. I also, I do like the lowering of the stakes, too, that they're like, oh, our precious cargo, because he could have said, like, living things, when mm. he, but instead, it's, it's just hot, hot pants. pants. Yeah. It's, it's just hot pants. And also, I, I love how Homer, in his one of his other raids, calls Earth a has-been planet. <laughs> uh, but they, it seems like they really do have a connection. Well, Marge, you really do understand me. I thought we weren't soulmates because... We had a fight? Right, and we don't like the same things. It's like you're from Venus and you're from Mars. (laughs) Oh, sure, give me the one with all the monsters. (laughs) Homer, don't you see? Our differences are only skin deep. But our seams go right down to the bone. Maybe we do have a... A profound, mystical understanding? Hey, we do! Oh, March! We're number one! We're number one! In your face, Space Coyote! Space Coyote? Huh. Oh my god! The ship! <gasps> we'll all be killed! The light! We gotta get the light back on! In your face, Space Coyote. Another great line. And Marge's reaction like, Space, Space Coyote? Coyote? Yeah. What? So that line about uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, uh, was that... 
uh, Dan McGrath. It was or Gra- Dan Graney Dan as Graney. well. One of the Dans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in our Dan Graney interview, he talked about how it was one of the hardest lines they ever had to come up with in his time there. They had a contest. Where, yeah, they, they they just had a... So they had the line that Marge says. It's, like, it's a reference to the book, the book. Men Are From Mars, right. Women Are From Venus. I'm sure that's been thoroughly debunked by now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you telling me that gender norms are not so specific? Is that... Uh, <laughs> we've, but, we've come a long way. Uh, but so... They, they make a reference to that book, uh, but they don't have the punchline for that or whatever was in the script. They're like, no, we need something else. And according to Graney, that they were stuck for ever trying to think of something and nothing was getting through the room. And he says that people started throwing money on the table. Like whoever can do here, I'll give you 20 bucks. If you can come up, we want to go home, <laughs> want to go home. And he said, it was George Meyer who finally had the line of the one with all the monsters. And he said, <laughs> that's great. I think he was like, they were so, everyone was so appreciative of George Meyer for like, you saved us. And now that reference is lost to time. Unless yeah, you really. live through the nineties. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, I, I wonder what it, I bet we could, you'd at least get an article out of reading that book again and re- in reviewing it today. Mm. I bet someone, has I want to Pass. check that out. Yeah, you know what? No, I, would, I mean, well, let someone else do it. <laughs> yeah, is what yes, I'm saying. Yeah. That feels like a Gawker article. Oh, for like sure. Five or years a Jezebel ago. or yeah, joint. Jezebel. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Homer's realization. This this is like their 30 seconds of intensity after just yeah. introspection the entire episode. And I do like the cute little visual of the giant light bulb in a normal light bulb container too. The special was it 14,000. Watt Something like bulb. that, maybe yeah. forty thousand watts. Yeah. yeah, it's cute. It's cute, and that's when uh, that's when they seemingly save the day here. <laughs> Jonathan Livingston Seagull, <laughs> we're on a collision course, hard to starboard. Port, aye, port. <laughs> they see us. They're starting to turn. <laughs> we did it. We sure did. So made. Look at all them hot pants. Hey, who likes short shorts? We like short shorts! That ending is so disturbingly similar to um, Burns Baby Burns, yeah. where it's yep. like rush to the end, and then there's a song, and then bam, credits. The song will cover our problems. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like that, it seems like to me like they they use this like goofy song to get off the hook of just a bad ending. <laughs> yeah, but... like, you'll forget about how quickly we wrap this up if we play a fun song. Yeah, yeah. at the end, and everyone is dancing. Well, you know, also this kind of has reverberations from. The opening to Bart After Dark, this is basically an Exxon Valdez kind of thing. That is true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except with short shorts. And it's McAllister in both cases as the captain. Oh, my too. God. Oh, my God. We well, had a lot of that on the He continually brain. proves he knows nothing about being on the open ocean. <laughs> he, so. yeah. he openly hates the sea yeah. and everything in it. Uh, so. And on, on the commentary, they love that. I love it, too. It's like, they're starting to turn. Yeah. And that's just Homer and Marge like, Okay, they're starting to turn. Everything must be fine. Let's just celebrate it. Homer still caused a tremendous amount of property damage. Yes, yeah, but clearly Wiggum's not going to arrest anybody. Like yeah. he's, he's, he, into hot, he's into hot pants. He got his free hot pants. So and, and apparently wanted, everyone is into hot pants in Springfield. They like, all are so overjoyed to find those hot pants. I wonder <laughs> what these writers would have thought if they knew about yoga pants because those are the new hot mm. pants and everybody's into yoga pants. That's, That's true. more fun. Yeah. I like. So the song Who Wears Short Shorts is a 1958 hit of the Royal Teens. Wow, who crowned them? The Royal Teens. <laughs> uh, and they were definitely not 
not what is their jurisdiction? So, and it was just the exact type of 50s one hit wonder you get, which is just some old songwriter was like, these girls are wearing short pants these days. We ought to write about that. (laughs) And funny thing about the Royal Teens I found out is that they only released singles with B-sides. They never did a full album. Never. They have basically 14 songs to their name. They were so ahead of their time. (laughs) That's the aristocracy for you. Lazy. (laughs) Yeah, they and they really had no other hits, but the short, short song, like it was in American Graffiti, it was one of the many hits in there, but when you listen to that song, it is two minutes that is really 20 seconds repeated for two minutes. It's 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 like a ringtone. <laughs> it's a bad song. And also the Simpsons are kind of repeating themselves here because Homer already danced to this song in Homer the Heretic. Oh, you're you're right. right. I wear short shorts. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, but hey, well, it's a George Meyer, little... George Meyer. That was his it's, idea too. You're mm-hmm. right. Wow, he's ripping off himself here. Maybe he just loves that song. Or short shorts. It's a you fun can love song. Both. Yeah. yeah. And you know, as somebody who I I uh, have a better idea of how many times they don't play the regular credits over it because the the music because when they play a different song as the credit music in the episode, I then also make that the end of the podcast. Mm. And I've been doing that so much in season eight. It's like they did they re- they seemingly rarely played the regular song in season eight. I bet these DVDs were very expensive to publish because of all the music rights they needed to buy. Yeah, especially for this season. That's what I love about The Simpsons is that Fox will pay the real money for the licensing on DVDs that like say the wonderful amazing Mission Hill they like we're not paying for REM on this. We're not paying for cake. We're not like, paying for one cake song that's the opening theme. Yeah, <laughs> but it it doesn't matter. We'll just have uh, bullshit sound like it. Same with Married with Children. Married with Children is defined by that Frank Sinatra song, but they couldn't put it on the DVDs because it was too expensive. Too expensive. I think yeah. they republished them and put a big sticker on the on the cover that says "Now with the theme song" oh, or something okay. like that. Uh, I mean, that's good. But but hearing those opening strings in the fountain shooting up, that was the mm, iconic. That's such a selling point. Yeah, to people that they would. They repurchase or or like make their purchasing decisions based on the theme like, song. Now I'll to, do it. <laughs> how strange! That theme is on YouTube for free, but I I'm gonna fork over my dollars. Uh, but I guess that's that's the episode. It's, yeah, I like you guys said that ending, that rushed ending. I don't want it to overshadow the greatness before this, yeah. especially some of the best and experimental animation Simpsons has ever had. Like in the whole series, yeah. yeah. They they have been going outside of their comfort zone with openings lately, and by lately I mean the last decade. Mm-hmm. But what they they still don't get that experimental within the episode. This is really a high point for the how weird and out of sorts they will get to go with it. Yeah, I really love it until the uh, very end, but I, I still really like the episode. And like you said, Henry, this is the eighth season's Homer Cubed in which let's do a different animation yeah. style. Let's let's color yeah. outside the lines. Let's do something experimental and different. And I think it's uh, it's super successful. It's it's a great showcase of David Silverman and his talents. And I mean, they would do scenes within the show that were kind of off and weird, but this mm. is this is really the peak. They would never get as as off and weird as they do in this episode. Yeah, I think I think seasons probably three through seven, every single episode is a banger. Like every episode. Yeah, so it was a yeah. home run. I think season eight is where the you know you kind of see the the cracks start to show up, and it, it, this episode is not a bad episode. It's just not great all the way through, and I think that that especially watching it now strikes me as, as something that's like kind of uh, important about this episode. Like it showcases 
a lot of what's really, really great about The Simpsons and has some of the best animation, but it's also, like, overall, narratively, just an okay episode. Yeah, I mean, by the showrunner's own admission, 8 is not as good as 7 because mm-hmm. they were tired. Right. <laughs> like, you have all of your energy when you're a showrunner on your first season, but then in the second season, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> another year of, like, 80-hour weeks. Yeah. Uh, well, let and, this joke on the air. That joke is fine. Go. Well, well and as you're writing season 8, you're still editing season yeah. 7, mm-hmm. so it's just, it never stopped. I learned that from the Steven Universe book to uh, in the art book where they talk about how the first year they could really experiment a bunch because and and really get invested in world building because they weren't doing sound mixing or editing or animation tests for the finished episodes at the same time they were writing. So once that starts up, you're really your attention is very divided. Mm-hmm. The first uh, the first season of Steven Universe is like three times the length of the length of any of the other seasons, though, isn't it? Uh, it's a fifty two episode season yeah. yeah and then all the ones after that they do like 26 20, yeah. episodes or so 25 26 wow mm. so zach you're a special guest uh, yeah. can you talk about where we can find you twitter stuff podcast stuff sure. ign stuff yeah so uh you can find a lot of my work on ign i i'm i am mostly behind the scenes but every thursday i am on nintendo voice chat that's ign this nintendo podcast and then you can follow me on twitter at zacharisd where i tweet uh a lot about uh video games and a lot about politics which uh i've been told don't miss so oh, yeah. shouldn't do I, it. I, I think they're a fine mix. Can you actually spell your Twitter name? It's yeah, it's Zacharias D. So uh, Z A C H A R I U S D. Okay, that's great. Yeah, awesome. As for us, we are part of the Talking Simpsons Network. I'm employed by them because I own the place. With, with Henry, with Henry. Yes, yes. We're co-owners, by the way. Uh, and this entire network is supported by your money. And if you want to help us out, there's so many great incentives for you. If you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and give at the $5 level, there are so many bonus podcasts waiting for you, including exclusive series like Talking Critic and Talking Futurama, tons of interviews. We've referenced the Dan Graney one twice, and that's on the Patreon. <laughs> Monthly community podcasts season wrap-ups, deleted scene specials. Henry, what are what are two really good things that are happening on the Patreon right now at the $5 level at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons? Well, a big one is our most recent interview we did with Dan McGrath, who... The other Dan. <laughs> he was a writer for seasons four, five, and six. He wrote Bard of Darkness. He wrote Boy Scouts in the Hood. And two of the best, he co-wrote with Greg Daniels, two of the best ever Treehouse segments, The Devil and Homer Simpson and... Time and punishment. So good. He and he has tons to tell. It's not just about his time on The Simpsons, like how he helped the uh, Apu song. Uh, who needs the quickie mark? Who needs the quickie mark, mark yeah. happen? But also him working on Saturday Night Live. His work on Mission Hill, King of the Hill. He tells us a ton of stuff. You should really listen to that. And also, if you're not yet a listener of our sister podcast, What a Cartoon. You might want to listen to our disenchantment episode we did, where we give the Talking Simpsons treatment to Mac Raining's newest cartoon, which is worked on by many of the people who worked on this episode of The Simpsons. Josh Weinstein, Bill Oakley, David X. Cohen, Ken Keeler. Mm-hmm. All the all-stars. And yes, yeah, so that, that podcast episode is actually free. Go over to the What a Cartoon feed. One thing I forgot to mention, though, if you sign up at the $5 level on our Patreon, you get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free, and that same goes for What a Cartoon. So you could be listening to next week's Talking Simpsons 
Simpsons right now. Mm-hmm. So make sure you go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And if you sign up now, you get a nice little code. You drop that into your MP3 player, podcast player, your your Rio Nitrous, your uh, <laughs> your Zune, whatever you use. I don't know if those are compatible anymore, but it makes it so easy to subscribe to our bonus stuff just as you listen to any other podcast. Henry, where can we find you? I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. You can also follow my tweets for uh, rancid politics that you'll hate. But also, <laughs> uh, no, not not true. You'll love my politics. And also, uh, any updates on uh, new episodes going up and the other Patreon news. As for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Uh, find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. Find it at Retronauts.com. Or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been doing it for almost 13 years now. So just go check it out. There's so much waiting for you there. So many topics at Retronauts.com. And as for us, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Our next episode will be The Springfield Files. And we'll see you then. This is just your memory. I can't give you any new information.